0: With the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weddell. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again. This is The Law, live audio wrestling. I am one half of your hosting team, Notorious TID, also known as Chris Tidwell, along with my co host, Little Brady Wedham. And this week we've got some interesting news, rumors, questions to ask, things like this. First of all, Brady, how the hell are you? Life is a work. Well,. Listen, if this past weekend was any indication on the world of combat sports and combat sports entertainment, yes, life is 100% a complete and utter work. We have reached the full, full level of sports entertainment. I would say that we've gone all the way around the spectrum and are back at the top all over again. This is crazy. So this week, we're going to break this down. I want to send it out uh, very quickly to our sponsors, but I want to ask these questions this week. What are the questions, my friend? Has the UFC gone full sports entertainment? Okay. What's next for Colby, Leon, Shavkot, and Josh Emmett? Is Samoa Joe a transitional champion in the near future? And finally, can CM Punk actually win the Royal Rumble?
2: Well, all those questions will hopefully be answered and
1: more before we get to this week's Tids Kick in the Head. You want to preview that, real yeah, quick? Yeah. So we had the I had the privilege of sitting down with twenty-two plus year WWE referee, the man who has been in there with so many pivotal moments in the world of professional wrestling. I'm talking about one, Mr. Jimmy Corderas, and we have a. Great conversation, great conversation about things like Public Enemy, great conversation about things like uh, backstage uh, culture, which is very, very interesting in this day and age. So we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to get our sponsors in here very quickly. And then when we come back, we're going to get this whole thing going. What do you say, Brady?
2: I am excited for the interview. I'm excited for your questions. Let's do this, my friend. Excellent.
1: This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. We'll be right back after this.
0: for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles, and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more! View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers, and public insiders. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com special friends you can catch greg and brad your smack daddies each weekend on the snme radio network we cover our lives what's happening on the east coast and eventually cover smackdown check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. please subscribe to get your smack daddies and the rest of the snme radio network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week we the ones
1: that you hear right now is my voice, and that means we are back, and it's time to get this whole thing going. All right, this past week and weekend, we had some combat sports, and it started off with a Friday night, a Friday night weird kind of boxing event with Jake Paul did they do now, this
2: from the old bingo hall that ecw used to perform out of like what's going on with this venue? this
1: listen this was kind of weird to me and this whole thing was a fluff piece in my opinion just to put over mvp uh promotions his uh most valuable promotions because he starts the whole thing off with the most valuable prospects which is like his you know up-and-coming fighters that he's promoting The first thing is they start doing the promo for his fight later on in the night, and they've got the, this man is on a quest to become the world champion at only a young age, blah, blah, blah. But there's somebody standing in his way. From Disney
2: Channel to world champion, Jake Paul's story is about to be told.
1: But the whole thing was voiced by Jake Paul. Yep. He voiced his own promo. Yep. The fights themselves were done in Orlando, not at a arena, not even at like a junior hockey arena. This was a convention room that they have like Comic-Cons in. Oh, I thought this was the whole thing one. No, this was a gigantic convention room.
2: Isn't this where King of the Dot? King of the Dot and URL record their their battle raps? Because <laughs> I swear it's the same venue.
1: It looks it's, like it. Listen, it only holds a few, uh, you know, a few thousand people. Yes, tops. Tops, tops. This was definitely a money saver. The fact that they had to zone in there doing this whole thing. This was, this was definitely a, hey, Jake's going to fight a boxer. Well, no, he's going to fight a punching bag yeah. uh, who never did anything but stand there. Listen, no discredit to the knockout. The knockout was fantastic. You know, it was very rudimentary jab followed by an uppercut. When you're wide open like that, it's going to happen every single time.
2: It was a slick and very quick uppercut, but it was given to a man who I don't think, and this sounds really weird saying this, but I don't think he should have been in there with Jake Paul.
1: No. How weird is it that inside a convention center, inside of a hotel resort in Orlando, that you get big lighted like you get bright lighted by fighting jake freaking
0: paul
2: this is the world this is sports entertainment my friend throwing it back to the beginning of the show we have reached full levels of sports entertainment
1: listen i don't know what's next for jake paul Uh, apparently he says they've got an announcement coming up in the near future Uh, like next week or something so hopefully he's actually going to get a fight the fights that i'm more interested in in boxing are the ones that are taking place coming up where we've got heavyweights against heavyweights against heavyweights the follow-up fights uh in in dubai are happening yep yep and you've got anthony joshua is fighting and you've got joseph parker is fighting um uh, blah, blah blah. Why am I drawing Deontay Wilder? Yes, this is going to be a fantastic spectacle. So, boxing is not over. Yeah, boxing is not over for the year. So, we got one more big setup coming up, and I'm excited about that one.
2: Well, now. Now, what do you think was a bigger setup? Uh, the Jake Paul fight or the placement of the um Sean Strickland and Duplacy? Seating arrangement at UFC 296 this weekend.
1: Well, let me ask you what you think. Do you think that that whole thing was a setup and a work? Do you think that it was a mis a misfortunate uh, uh, circumstance where?
2: Well, let me preface my answer with Dana White at the press conference at the end of the night last night. He said okay. he was the one that does all the seating arrangement and that he screwed up. So that's, what, that's what's that's what been put out there as to why that, that potentially uh, was a, a horrible mistake on Dana's end. Now, I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was a horribly good idea in terms of selling pay-per-views for a card that is very lackluster. And I think that seating arrangement and the cameras being placed the way they were, what did they think was going to happen? Now, the gentleman that is Sean Strickland, Almost buried his entire reputation, if he has any, with uh, normal people, the average fan uh, from the press conference, and I think that he may have done even worse at the fights this weekend. So do you want to do you want to elaborate on a little bit of what I'm talking about here, as friendly as we can be on this show?
1: So the amount of F-bombs that were dropped uh, during the presser.
2: What F-bomb are you talking about?
1: Well, yes, exactly. all of them. Exactly. Exactly. Um the the amount of of f bombs and derogatory terms and homophobic slurs and misogynistic phrases and uh, it would make it would make um the most hardened of comedian go no that's that's too many it's too much
2: because at this point, it doesn't even seem like it's for shock value or for funny anymore. It seems like this guy, this has got some he's got some issues he's still working on as a man. He's
1: he's, he's screaming out.
2: He's screaming yeah. out for
1: help. And nobody is really listening right now. Right. This is. And here's what I think. Here's my opinion on the video, on the setup, on the whole thing. I think that they weren't expecting maybe something like that to happen. But when needing and seeing the opportunity, these guys are smart enough to know how to sell a fight. If you go back and you look at this video and the way that it goes down, they knew they were far enough away that they could get a good camera shot. But then when when Gilbert Burns' kid gets asked to move out of the way by Strickland and you think to yourself, oh, they're going to get face-to-face, and then Sean Strickland jumps up on the chair and starts starts giving DDP worked forearm shots to the back of the shoulder blades brother
2: i haven't seen elbows bionic elbows thrown that good since dusty <laughs>
1: Thank you. what, like was what?
2: That? it was he was work he, he, it, you know what it was okay let's just say let's take away the fact that it could be a work let's just say he actually was hitting him i do think there was a bit of like like let's keep the realness in it this is a sure. real this is this is as real as it gets right sean probably looked around him and said there's kids there's families you know i'm instead no, of I think me you're just... wrong
1: i think you're wrong i think sean looked around him and said okay security is there security is there and security is there we can have a moment right now where I instigate this situation, start a fight, throw a couple of like pushy, shovey kind of forearms to the back. Security is going to have to jump in on us. Security's going to stop us from getting very, very violent in this thing, and then I'm going to get kicked out, and this whole thing's going to go viral because the UFC is going to play this like it's a promo now. They were like, we're going to show you this video before we leave the air tonight. Like it's a freaking promo, guys. What were they thinking? What they were thinking was this is a promo. This is to sell tickets because now people are invested in this. There, Nobody was invested in a Sean Strickland, the uh, Drinkus Duplessis fucking fight in Toronto. Nobody was. No. But now people are because they've just made it a little bit personal, Right.
2: Well, I'm excited. Now, now, we could go and do the media thing there, or we could sit at home and enjoy our cigars and our, our brewskis and watch the fight on TV and then talk about it the next day. We'll figure that out as we get closer to the event, because we're just a hop, skip, and jump over from the venue. But I really am excited for 296, or sorry, 297? Is it two ninety? 29- it's 297. It's 299. Oh, 299. 29- no, 290 29- no no you're good you're jumping ahead to 299 because i know you're excited because yeah. dan has started announcing fights but no 297 is january yeah right yeah yeah no i am excited for January. i am excited for january i'm excited for 297 i was already excited to see sean and uh duplicy fight but i think this adds a little bit of seasoning uh whether it was a work or it wasn't it worked so who wins um I kind of have to go with Sean, just because I don't think you can bet against Sean now after what he did to Izzy.
1: I think Izzy was never in that fight, and I think that DDP is going to be too much of a weird fight for Sean Strickland.
2: Is he going to hit him with the bang? DDP,
1: uh, probably. I was going to say, you know almost no-sold that. You almost no-sold that, my friend. DDP is awkward in a way that he kind of reminds me he kind of reminds me of Elias Theodoro in the way that he fights. He's very like he's got that that awkward, herky-jerky kind of weird angles. It doesn't look like a fluid, you know what I mean, stand-up game that he has. But he hits you with a lot of power. And he hits you with a lot of power. And I don't know if Sean's – like Sean Strickland's been knocked out by a guy who stands up square with him. Right, I don't think that I I don't think that Sean makes it out of this one very well. But I mean, listen, if he can take him into deep waters and lose a decision, well, then he's going to get an automatic rematch. And what that does is that log jams yet another division, because we saw from this past weekend. Now maybe we can get uh, we can get another. Uh, division opened up a little bit, and I'm talking about the welterweight division because we saw what happened with Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Now, was that fight boring? Absolutely, it was. Uh, did were we all expecting that you know Leon Edwards was going to go in there and finally shut up Colby Covington for some of the comments you know that he's been making? Yep, absolutely. And unless you've been living under a rock. Uh, You know that Colby Covington has been on a layoff for a long time, but came back full Covington and went, in my opinion, I don't know about yours, Brady, but in my opinion, went too far. We talk about, like, what is the line? What is the things that you can say? And I know with myself, with myself inside of a wrestling promo, you can say whatever you want. I've always said this to people. I don't care because it's just words. Now I've also never been in the situation where somebody where somebody in my family like that has been murdered. And then you bring up their murdered family member. You know what I mean? So I don't know how I would react to something like that.
2: Well, there's there's two ways of looking at it. One, in the fight game, when it comes to promo, I am a firm believer that anything goes. I think if you I think there's a public figure slash you're putting yourself out there against the other fighter, that it is mental warfare just as much as it is physical warfare, and anything goes. Um, I do not think just because there's rules in the octagon that there should be rules in the press conference. I, I legit do think that anything goes. On the other side of that coin, morally and ethically, as a human being to another human being, or to a martial artist to another martial artist, there's a lack of respect there that is unforgivable. I think it's disgusting uh morally and i wouldn't do it but do i frown upon it and say hey you should cancel kobe covington no because i don't i don't buy into that bullshit i think no, kobe i don't came buy into the canceling did... no i just think that he came out and he did what he did and if, if anything it actually got leon to probably fight a calmer fight if that makes any sense to you or am i making any sense there
1: well, I think Leon is probably one of the most calculated and calm fighters in all of mixed martial arts right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's proven this. Uh, everybody, I it's it's weird. It's almost like that welterweight division, the champions don't get the respect that they rightfully deserve. Because for the longest time, Kamaru Usman, who was champion of that division, didn't think that he was getting the respect that he deserved. Leon, Leon Edwards has now won like 13 fights in a row if you take away the you know the fiasco that was with Bilal Muhammad but he still doesn't get the respect
2: I honestly think it's a GSP thing I think because that that division was such a strong portion of the company when the company was blowing up and becoming such a a big marketable item that 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 welterweight division so the welterweight division I think the light heavyweight division they get held in a different regard. Right. And they just, and even the middleweight division since Anderson Silva, the people have just never really given, you know, some of these divisions or these champions the credit that they deserve because I think those divisions in themselves are almost marketable. Right. And people can never live up to these, these expectations that were set by these early people who blew the sport up. That's what I personally think.
1: Well, they better get it together really soon because now you're going to have to figure out what's next. So, what's next for Leon Edwards? Is um, you- If you look down the list, I mean, there's only one obvious because your number one-ranked guy is Kamaru Usman. Number two is Bilal Muhammad. Number three is Colby Covington. Gilbert Burns at four, and Shavkat Rachmanov at five. Now, there's fights for Leon Edwards just in that top five. Shavkat Rachmanov and Gilbert Burns, I think that uh, that would be a fantastic fight. And I think that Kamaru Usman... And Bilal Muhammad would also be a fantastic fight. I think that schedule-wise, Leon Edwards probably will be looking for a little bit of time off right now. So if that's the case, because I know that Bilal Muhammad has said that he only wants to fight for a title right now. And this is the problem that a lot of these guys have, is when they say things like that, they usually get overlooked. So if that's the case, then I think, in my opinion, because Colby Covington said that he wants to fight Stephen Thompson next, which is great. I think that's fantastic. So there's your six guys right there. Even if you were to take Stephen Thompson, Colby Covington, you take Shavkot and Gilbert Burns, which is your number four and five. You take your number one and two, and you let them fight to see who truly is the number one contender. And then that's the person who fights Leon Edwards next
2: well I think I think you might be onto to something there, my friend. I think you might be onto to something there. Now, what was your other what's your last question in terms of MMA? Did you have another MMA question? or do you want to just talk about UFC two ninety nine
1: Well, let's talk about UFC two ninety nine Let's go. Let's preview this because some fights were made for this, right? Uh, finally, and we're talking about let's see what did we have? We had uh, Michael Venom Page who we all saw fight over in Bellator, who was a free agent. They showed him on TV a couple of uh, live events ago, and he's finally fighting in the UFC. And his first fight in the UFC could not possibly be a more fun fight, in my opinion, because Michael Venom Page is going to get thrown to the wolves. His striking better be on point because he's going to get shit talked to death the entire fight because he's fighting Kevin Holland. That's a hell of a fight, if you ask me.
2: That is a banger of a fight. I am so stoked for that. What else is coming up?
1: Well, we also had that. So there was a cancellation at 296 that we saw with uh, Vicente Luque and Ian Gary. And it looks like uh, Ian Gary has now been moved to 299. And okay. uh, and he is fighting. Oh, who did I see that he's fighting?
2: He's Jeff Neal, isn't it? He's
1: fighting Jeff Neal in this one. Absolutely. So
2: what is going on there? What happened to Vincent Luque? What's they just <laughs> Vicente, said? Whatever. I don't
1: know. Maybe may, you know what? Vicente Luque is probably going to fight on a closer card. I would imagine who he's going to fight. Who knows?
2: Poor Vinny Mack, man. Oh my goodness.
1: It, it, it's crazy. We also got uh, Jack della Maddalena has been added to the card for two ninety nine, like two ninety nine is shaping up to be absolutely insanity. Well, it might be even bigger than UFC 300. This is what I'm saying right now to you, Brady. So how how big do you have to make UFC 300 if this is your lead into it? Connor. They're putting or, Connor on the card. Or... Is UFC three hundred just going to be a flop, and that's why they're loading up two ninety nine? No,
2: no, I think they're they're going for big fights for UFC three hundred just for, and I don't think it has anything to do with divisions. I don't think it has anything to do with anything else besides UFC three hundred. I think UFC three hundred is the the selling point in itself. So I think they're just going to be stockpiling a full of names.
1: Well, they're going to have to because it seems like every championship belt is being. Defended prior to UFC 300, except for the heavyweight belt.
2: Well, and it's been an eventful weekend in combat sports. And it has been a very eventful winter coming up full of combat sports and UFC events and kickboxing and boxing. And I'm stoked to see the future. But with that said, we got to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to answer some of these questions that you have in the world of pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, we're going to ask the questions like, is Samoa Joe actually a transitional champion in the near future? What's going on over at AEW? Can CM Punk actually win the Royal Rumble this year? I've got a question for you. Please. And I want only
2: wrong answers. All right. Who is the devil? And we're going to find that out when we come back. Here on The Law, live audio wrestling.
0: of the BC Budtender community? Tether Buds is bringing their unique experience to the West Coast for the first ever event in Vancouver, BC. January 24, 2024, Tether's Vancouver event will be the ultimate Budtender experience, featuring industry-leading brands, gift bags, and great vibes. Plus, complimentary food refreshments and music. Media, influencers, and other industry professionals are encouraged to join the fun. January 24, 2024 at Beaumont Studios. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B, and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully.
2: Back here on the law, live audio wrestling. Wa la la la, la la, la la, la la. And Chris, you said you had some questions. Sure. I would love to try and answer some of these questions and, you know, go back and forth on what we think in the world right. of professional wrestling. So, what is your first question, sir?
1: So, AEW has recently announced that they are going to have MJF against Samoa Joe for the strap coming. Do you think that MJF keeps the title or do you think Samoa Joe becomes champion? And if so, is Samoa Joe set for a run at this age and this time is his career or is he just a transitional champion?
2: I personally, per- I don't, yeah, um, I think that Samoa Joe will eventually hold the AEW championship. Do I think it's coming up in the very near future? I, I cannot make that prediction because I think AEW's booking right now is unpredictable and not in the way you would normally want to see unpredictability. I don't, I don't really know if I can give you a solid answer on that. What I do think is, is AEW needs to put the belt on Joe at some point. I think MJF is on his way to WWE. So all of these things that you're asking actually could be true. And then maybe this is what they're doing. They're going to put the belt on Joe, let Joe be a transitional champion for somebody else. Uh, let MJF kind of close out his, his last couple of months there and, and move on to greener pastures.
1: I've said it before. If that is the case, that is a solid game plan. It's an old school game plan. You put somebody over, right? And maybe it's not Joe, but I think that at the end of the day, it will be because I think Joe is a good choice to make that a transitional champion to who you put that on next. Now, we've just recently heard and found out that Kenny Omega is out indefinitely with uh, diverticulitis, if I believe.
2: Yeah, poor Kenny.
1: Which means they're going to be going in. You know, It's the same thing that happened with Brock Lesnar, and they're going to have to go in and, and cut back on uh, a little bit of an intestine and uh, teach these guys how to stop eating so much red meat. it's really what it comes down to it's a canadian
2: thing it's a wild game thing i think
1: so if you've got if you've got kenny omega on the shelf indefinitely if you've got mjf who the writing is on the wall like he's just you know counting down his days and he's on to a higher payday on a bigger stage and fulfilling his dream as a performer those are your two biggest guys your biggest names in the in the company right now now you can also talk about like your John moxley's and your Christian cages and your Adam Copeland's and whatnot but are they in that position to do so let's just put the belt
2: so. on Danhausen and we'll figure out the rest as we go
1: I think that uh that's a bad idea what um because listen huh he'll he'll just end up cursing it you know that'll be the problem,
2: but um, um.
1: <laughs> but I think that you got you got guys like is Hangman Page able to carry that strap? I don't think so. I think he's been there. I think he's been there long enough and has gotten past that point now to where it would be something exciting and new for the fans. The guy I put that into that position is Swerve Strickland.
2: 100 gajillion percent sir sean sean i look at i'm stuck back on the ufc uh swerve strickland is is the guy
1: yeah that's the guy that you put that belt on so do i want to see a match between samoa joe and mjf absolutely do i want to see that match between samoa joe as champion against swerve strickland absolutely
2: Oh, that would be a great – see, we'd have an amazing winter if these are the things that are lining up.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's the kind of matches, and that's the kind of match-ups that people would get really excited about. All of the other storyline that's going on inside of AEW is is fantastic. This is what they're doing. They've got this storyline going on with Adam and Christian. Great. Let it, let it boil. Let it boil for a year solid. Let it do its thing. I think they're
2: listening because they they, they're starting to pull back, I think, a bit on the on the giving them everything right away with the the Copeland and, and Jay story.
1: I think that may have been a situation because they didn't know what they were going. The biggest story in AEW, you know as well as I do, has up to this point been your question Who is the devil? Yes, who is the devil? That has been the biggest storyline going in Aew, but now they've been able to develop a couple of other ones that are starting to get some real steam. and I think that this uh, doing a move like that with Strickland would definitely number one, elevate him, no doubt and number two, bring in a new kind of um, a new kind of fan for that heavyweight title.
2: Well, let's get rid of the Wardlows. Let's get rid of the Roddy Strongs, the the uh, the Swers, for a second, and let's ask who is the devil. But let's do wrong answers only.
1: Wrong answers only.
2: Yes, and why the wrong answer? Uh, so well, wrong
1: answers only would be. Um, can I
2: give, can I give you an example?
1: Absolutely.
2: I I've seen recently people are talking about they think this would never happen, but it would be amazing. Jim Cornette is the
1: devil. Uh do you know how, okay first of all footwork <laughs> and why would you ever put a devil mask on a pair <laughs> like i love jimmy to death but i mean let's let's be honest i don't think that that is a thing okay here's one for you that we've that would definitely be a wrong answer the devil is actually tony Schiavone.
2: no please no
1: he's he's pissed off about his positioning and he's starting a his own faction.
2: Okay. Oh. Um, no. Uh, and maybe this goes into why they trademarked uh, super dicks, but uh, Dave Meltzer.
1: Yeah, well, that would be fantastic. Let's think about that one for a second. So okay. Dave, Dave Meltzer, who do you think he would be giving himself um, five horn matches? After that, let's say Dave Meltzer is the devil. Now, here you go. And let's say that all of those people under the hoods, let's say it is the young bucks that are jumping everybody. Let's say that Dave Meltzer is coming in and he's starting his own faction. What happens then when Dave Meltzer is collecting a paycheck from AEW? Here he is. Does that mean that Meltzer will just stooge off to himself? <laughs> and report his own stuff
2: you're sure you're baiting me here i'm trying to say stuff that you know what i mean he's gonna get clipped but uh <laughs> no uh if melter was the devil you'd get the vicky guerrero heat the first week the i mean if you heat, ask
1: the right people he is the devil
2: well yeah, you'd get the vicky the, vicky guerrero heat the first week you'd get the don Callis heat the second week but the third week it would be the xbox go home heat and I shout just, out to Waltman, but
1: Which is crazy because that kind of heat that he had for so long has completely died. And everybody loves X-Pac the way that everybody loves Mike Tyson. Yeah. You know? And Mike Tyson's a convicted uh, felon.
2: No, no. Feel me on this one. The devil. Okay. Tony Khan himself.
1: Oh. It was me, Austin. It It was me all along. Wow. Could you? Okay. Listen, that's a hell of a money saver. And Lord knows that the company right now needs to save a couple of shekels, (laughs) Um, but I don't (laughs) think that it's going to be Tony Khan. Could you imagine though, this is, this would just be another way that another fucking promoter has worked himself onto the show. God damn it. Maybe that's what we're doing. And then the devil and then the devil all of a sudden challenges for the title. Yeah. And the devil beats MJF for the title. Yeah. And he pulls the mask off, and everybody's expecting it to be Adam
2: Cole. And it's Tony Khan doing the Danny Garcia dance. No? Yeah, no. No. Okay. I mean,
1: I'm in. I'm in. And it would. here's the thing is we're laughing about that right now. Oh,
2: no, please don't it's even say it. It's
1: not out of the fucking don't,
2: realm. Don't put it out there, dude.
1: It's not out of the realm for them to do something like this.
2: Now, is this because there's a the lack Hold of- Hold on, a... I
1: got one for you. Okay. under the devil mask Shane McMahon
2: I think that'd be really good business
1: and he's going to come in and he's going to buy up AEW the way that they bought up WCW
2: I think that's really good business if you're booking your own universe in WWE 2k23 but outside of that um that is not anything that's probably going to happen at all uh but stranger things have happened. We seen That's CM. Right. Pu- we seen CM Punk come back. So, with the, do you think CM Punk is going to win the Royal Rumble? Well, sir, I think he's going to get down. Say
1: it again. Say the name of that show again. Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble.
2: The Royal. Did I say Royal Rumble? <laughs> oh, yeah. man, we're making. We're going to get more emails again about stuttering and stammering. All right, CM <laughs> Punk is going to win the Royal Rumble.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mister Fudd. All
2: right, we're going to try that again. Um... <laughs> So CM Punk,
1: yeah, do I think
2: him. he's going to win uh-huh. the Royal Rumble? Okay. No, I think it's going to come down to the last four. And I think something's going to happen. Seth eliminates him, something like that. Um, I think it sets up Seth and CM Punk. I don't think CM Punk has to win the Rumble to, you know, challenge for the title at WrestleMania. No,
1: no. I think the story there for myself personally, I think the story there obviously, and the bigger money, uh, you don't need a a a title involved. I think the bigger story is CM Punk and Seth Rollins. I think that that headlines one of the two days. I think that headlines maybe day one of your WrestleMania. Then CM Punk gets his, you know, he gets that WrestleMania main event spot, but the belt's not on the line yet. And then I think the WrestleMania match for the belt, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton. Okay, I think that's. I think that's probably the way that they will go. It makes the most sense right now. Lord will and the Crick don't rise, and something crazy don't happen between now and then. When the cows come home, I think that that's what you're going to see is your two main events. Because you're not going to get. The, it's almost as silly as people are talking. Well, but you then you do Punk and Stone Cold at WrestleMania. It's like that's, that's not happening. That was a match that CM Punk wanted ten years ago. And it doesn't make any sense. So step in with Seth Rollins. Let the two of them do their thing. That will be fantastic. It'll be a great match. No doubt about it. And everybody will be invested and everybody will watch because the two of them on the mic right now are gold and they can just set it up with straight up mic stuff and promos without even touching each other between, you know, Royal rumble and WrestleMania.
2: Can I go full Tony Khan for a minute? Get under the devil mask. Okay. Fatal Four Way main event second night: Roman Reigns, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton. Take away CM Punk, replace it with MJF.
0: Do you think? M- <laughs> do you think right now?
1: Do you think MJF could be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble?
2: No. No, there's got to be a complete like a compete clause somewhere. Do we're you too, think AEW is
1: smart enough to do that?
2: Yes, because they've copied most of their business off of old WWE contracts, I believe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're actual old WWE contracts. They just used a red sharpie, yeah, and uh, wrote AEW and they got two, yeah. two
2: little stamps on it that say Matt and. <laughs> yeah. anyway so uh okay well we're gonna get to take another break but before we Absolutely. do let's uh let's talk about this week's tids
1: kick in the head yeah so like i said earlier in the show when we set it up i got the chance to sit down with one of the greatest wwe referees of all time we're talking about a guy who was in the ring when you know kurt angle beat the living tar out of daniel pewter we're talking about guy who was in the ring when Owen Hart supposed to face the Godfather as the blue blazer. And we all know what happened before that match even started. And Owen fatally fell from the ceiling all the way down. We're talking about a guy who has been in there with when things have gotten crazy uh, and, and, and people didn't want to take finishes. And, and we're going to talk about that. We talk with Jimmy Corderas. Longtime friend of mine, longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of professional wrestling, and uh, it is one of those conversations where we talk about backstage culture. How come it hasn't changed in the last twenty-five plus years? We talk about, you know, people jumping ship. We talk about people take going into business for themselves and not wanting to do finishes. We talk a little bit about the current state of wrestling now. And we talk about history. We talk about the history of Maple Leaf Wrestling and the Tunnies and and, and, and things like that. And this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to a long time. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And you're going to get to hear in its entirety the lucky SOBs. Me and what Brady has dubbed a kick in the head with myself jimmy corderes this is the law live audio wrestling tell you what don't go anywhere we'll be
0: right back sportcards.com Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA and NFL hobby boxes. Total. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date Total. with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com proud sponsor of Sunday Night's main event. Disclaimer Bovine Sex Club is not actually a sex club. Mm. Heading to Toronto? Check out any of these fine events coming to the Bovine Sex Club. December 7th, Ted Ax; December 15th, Sex Cat. And New Year's Eve with Hamilton legend B.A. Johnson. With burlesque performances by Aviva the Mirage, Ruby Magnitude, Fire Queen Tanya Cheeks, and go-go dancer Paige Turner. Bovine Sex Club, Toronto's coolest rock and roll bar. Check out more by visiting bovinesexclub.com or fanatickets.com.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again. My name is Chris Tidwell, otherwise known as, well, formerly known as Notorious TID to some people in the wrestling world. And this this is one of my favorite portions of the program because I get to sit down and I get to have conversations, uh, one-on-one conversations with people who I consider to have some of the greatest insight into the world of professional wrestling. And this is a guy who... I mean, no introduction is really needed, so I'm just going to run down his accolades. He's been in every match that anybody could ever possibly think of, ever. Uh, he's a published author. Uh, he's a, a a cook, a chef online uh, in his own home. And he's an all-around good guy that you will find very, very few people will have anything ever bad to say about him. And for a couple of dollars at the end of this, I will reveal that list. I'm talking about Jimmy Corderas, former WWE referee for 22, 23 years just in that. Uh, and I want to say thank you so much, Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you doing today, buddy?
3: Oh, man, I'm doing especially after that intro, man. This is, <laughs> now I have a lot to live up to, but uh, I appreciate it, man. It's been a long time, uh, too long. Let's put it that way. And yeah. uh, I've, I'm, I'm very appreciative of you asking me to, to be here and we can catch up on everything
1: you want to catch up on <laughs> listen it, it has been too long and when I set out to do this you know there's there's lists just like you there's so many people you know when you step away from being in the ring and you're like oh I want to do something and I still want to connect with these people but you almost have to make a schedule you know what I mean just to be able yeah. to do it and it's it's cool and it's a lot less painful I don't have to take any more bumps which is always nice you know mm-hmm. when you get to be our uh our gray beard ages, the last thing you want to be doing is taking bumps. No, I hear that exactly
3: because, and, and even as a referee, because that's one of the things that people uh, don't get that uh, as a referee, I was always taught you don't bump like the boys,
1: right? Because, well, I mean,
3: yeah. Well, it shows that you've been trained, right? yes exactly it's got to look a little bit awkward but at the same time you know you know you're not flat backing and tucking your chin and doing all the stuff you're supposed to be doing it it has to look a little bit awkward like you um unless you're a danny davis or or somebody
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you remember do you remember the first time the office came to you with the idea of like hey we want to get you involved in the match we want to uh you know we want to run a spot with you do you remember what it was Uh,
3: the first spot, ah, uh, no, but I do remember the first bump I took on TV, oh. that which is very vivid. You know, had you
1: taken it, a bump before? I had taken some small ones. You okay. know what I
3: mean, like you know, where you know maybe a shoulder tackle, squash in the corner, that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, not, nothing that kind of takes you out. It's kind right. of just it kind of bumps you and you sell it for a little bit so the heel can get their heat and the heel and the heat goes to the right person, the heel, not you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Exactly>. Hopefully. <laughs> But, uh, the, the, the first bump I took on television was like ridiculously massive. And I think it was a bit of a test too, at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Who was it with?
3: Uh, the one man gang.
1: Oh, you took that, that finisher? The 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 747. 747?
3: Yeah. It was funny because that was back in, back in the days when they used to do three weeks worth of television tapings in one night. Um, I was this was actually a road trip that I'd driven on with Jack Tunney and Billy Red Lions. Cause I would drive them in Jack's Fleetwood Cadillac to TVs when they were close enough.
1: That's you know? hilarious. Me sitting there thinking that, you know, Jimmy Corderis, the green boy, right. right? Driving, driving the two, the two old timers to the shows. Right. Yeah. And this was <laughs> uh,
3: you know, in Glens Falls, New York, I remember this yeah. vividly. So you know they they make the list you're doing in hour one you're doing this match in hour two and then pat comes up to me and says in hour three we want you to do the one man gangs match get with gang he'll tell you what he needs you to do so i knew something was going on obviously but i did so basically it was you know you know i'm gonna hit the uh, oh man was it uh, a ski wolf or somebody anyway hit i'm gonna hit the uh, enhancement talent with my finisher the 747 you raise my hand, I'll kind of sl- sl- shove you out of the way, pick him up and give it to him again. He says, You get in my face and you really give me a, you know, give it to me. I'll hook you and I'll give it to you. Just like that. Yeah. He says, Are you cool with that? What am I supposed to say? Yeah. You know, I said, Yeah. I'm one man gang. Yeah. So I'm, the only thing that's going through my head is, I hope it comes off okay. And, you know, went through it, did it. And I'm so pumped. I'm really not feeling it. If you know what I mean, you know, because right. this is like, oh, my goodness, I just took it. Just lay here. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move until they come and get you. That's the only thing that's going through my mind. And I got to the back and, you know, right away, you know, the refs that were helping me back. They're going, are you OK? I said, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, good. And then, you know, run into gang and go to thank him. And gang said, are you OK? I said, yeah, I'm great. Fine. Thank you. He says, oh, awesome. And Pat, you know, Pat comes up and goes, Jimmy, you OK? I said yes, Pat. I'm okay. He says, "Good job." And then you know, Pat was one of the teachers. You know what I mean, as well right. along the way. So, but I think uh, it was partially a test to mm-hmm. to see you know where I stood in 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 things. So
1: well, yeah, because i I think that I think that for the longest time, and even nowadays, right? L- let's let's be honest. Inside of the world of professional wrestling not nearly at the level that you performed at, but inside of the world of professional wrestling, nine times out of 10, you go to some of these indie shows and the referee is somehow related to the promoter. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot easier. And I, I don't mean this towards you or any other credible referees out there, but it is a lot easier because of the amount of indie shows. It's a lot easier to become a referee, you know, on a show than it is to become uh, a performer, uh, a, a mm-hmm. wrestler on the show, right? So the fact that the fact that you turned it into such a long career with one company is a testament in itself, I think, anyways. You know what I mean? Um, I wanted to Thank ask you, you <laughs> I wanted to ask you, though, like, mm-hmm. All of the stuff that you've seen, all of the bumps that you've taken, right? All of the bumps that you've had to listen to people take mm-hmm. and talk about, and just sit there and go, "Oh man, I wish they wouldn't." I wish mm-hmm. they wouldn't do that spot tonight. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think? Do you think that there was enough emphasis put on things like concussion protocols? and whatnot back then as maybe there are now?
3: Well, when I first started, I don't think it was as prevalent. That's for okay. sure. Obviously there, there are concerns when you see those hard bumps when somebody lands
1: in like, right. the back of their neck, and the back of their head. Because you're going to walk through the curtain and that was the concussion protocol, it seemed like. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's just like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And you, right, just like, Still like deer in the headlights, you know, in the business. That was great. I'm feeling the pump of it. Man, I'm um they made me a part of the show. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely I feel great.
3: Yeah. And it feels like old school, you're trained not to show it to the office that you're yeah. hurt or to the guys in charge. You know what I mean? Never never give that away. Always tell them you're okay with everything unless it's something really serious if something's out of joint, you know I mean? Like th- kind of hard to hide, hide a dislocation. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, I mean, we've all done that though. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course we have. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you and I actually, is it your, is it your right hand with your thumb? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I share the same, the same exact thing here mm-hmm. because, you know, when your thumb, your thumb is not supposed to touch where your, your wrist, wrist exactly on um, a parallel oh yeah parallel yeah
3: <laughs> yeah yeah how was yours again uh, mine was it, it, it's so crazy uh i was being was i being chased by if i can only remember who i was being chased but i did the you know run and slide out of the ring and my thumb had caught the ring apron of <laughs> all things my thumb caught the ring apron and the ring apron was so tight that it pulled my thumb back like you said parallel with my wrist and uh... i knew something was wrong but uh, you, you you're you trained finish the match counting left-handed you know what i mean
1: man yeah mine was i took a i was laying there and i was on my back you know in a match taking a splash like a top rope splash from like a 350 pounder Ooh. and when he came down he kind of like didn't come up and down he slid out and so when he slid he literally took my thumb with him and just oh. everything was mangled underneath this massive human being. It was not pretty. But oh. again, you know, you hide it. You mm-hmm. go home. You wake up the next morning. You're like, oh well, that that's gonna hurt for a minute.
3: It was. Uh, let's put it this way: I had to drive some uh, some talent back to the hotel, which was, yeah. you know, part of the duties at the time. This because this happened at Maple Leaf Gardens, right. and I'm driving with my thumb in a bucket of ice you know and after i'm done this was an afternoon show you know i go back i'm on my way back home and me and my buddies back in the day used to have this coffee shop we used to call it the shop yeah used to meet at the shop and just have coffee so i met up with the boys and they're going uh maybe you better get a, get that looked at because it looked like <laughs> a grapefruit
1: by then you know what i mean so,
3: and that's a uh, that's when i went and got it checked
1: out was <clears throat> talk to me a little bit about maple leaf wrestling
3: mm-hmm
1: for the people that don't know <clears throat> the long-standing structure that was Maple Leaf wrestling. I mean, it, I mean, the office was right across the street from Maple Leaf gardens. I mean, you couldn't get any more iconic than that. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how did you get involved with Jack and the Tunnies and, you know, were you a were you a wrestling fan before that, or was it just kind of like happenstance?
3: No, I was a huge wrestling fan before that, and and one of the other hobbies I used to have back in the day was I used to take pictures. So I would go to the shows. I had what would be the equivalent of seasons tickets. I ended up creep.
1: Getting. You were, uh, you were a creep yeah. there taking pictures of the girls, right?
3: No, I, uh, I, I was I was second row ringside. I ended up getting uh, these tickets for every show. Se- do you remember the ramp that was level with the ring yep. that used to go from the bottom? Second row ringside, right beside that ramp. So I would be taking some wonderful pictures of the talent, all the guys coming out. And uh, I still have some buried somewhere. I got to go find them one day. Yeah. Um, and what I would do is I would come back to the next show and I would sell the pictures for $2 a pop. To the fans outside, and there was a young
1: man by the name of Elio Zarlinga who used to Wait, hold on a sec. Hold on, back the fuck up. So, okay. you were, so you're bootlegging. You're like they're taking pictures, bootlegging these guys' likenesses and selling them on the sly, like out of the trunk, or did you like set up a table, like nope. did They just, just, just hey, kinda... open up your jacket, like one of those guys want to buy a watch out on the streets. Well, I had a camera bag. So
3: I just got, had them in the camera bag and, you know, and I, Amazing. you know, so, you know, people would buy these pictures and it and it basically fueled my wrestling habit. It paid for the tickets, it paid for, you know, the film developing. And I, also back then in the day, there was a place called Direct Film where you double your prints for a dollar. So I'd get to sell one set and keep a set
1: for myself. It's like when the was, boys used to go to Kinko's to make all of their eight by tens. Yes, exactly.
3: Exactly. So So one day uh elio Zarlengo, who used to work for jack tunney yeah. he comes up to me, and he was also the photographer for the stranglehold magazine and program okay that they used to have yeah so he comes up to me he says hey you got some pictures there do you mind if i take a look and i'm like sure here you go he says yeah hey these are some pretty good pictures i said yeah well i got great seats so you know i can get some great shots he says how much are they i say, they're two bucks a pop but if you want I can, uh, you know, give you a deal of uh, three for five or something like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm negotiating with the yeah,
1: guy. negotiating with the owner.
3: <laughs> uh, uh,
1: you're the best.
3: So he says to me, you know, you can't do that. And I said, why, <laughs> who are you? And then he told me who he was. And I went, Oh, <laughs> I said, I'm just a fan just trying to pay for my wrestling habit here. And I'm trying to explain this whole thing to him. And he says, you don't seem like a bad guy. Just don't do it right out here. Like, in front of the building where everybody right. could see you go down a little bit in front of the hotel and, uh, or go to the back on Wood street or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Just don't do right where everybody could see you. And then we became friends. So I'd run into him at every show. And he says, you know what you take, let me introduce you to Jack. And say, maybe you can help me out, take pictures at ringside and stuff like that. And i like, Oh, that's cool. So he introduces me to Jack, uh, which was cool. And Jack said, look, we don't need another photographer at this time, but we'll find something for the kid to do. And that's when I started with, you know, as you know, they used to run Maple Leaf Gardens every three weeks. Mm-hmm. So Jack would say, hey, we need you to go pick up Andre the Giant and Timmy White at the uh, Marriott Hotel over by the airport. Or, or we you need to do this. And I was kind of like the errand boy. They go yeah. And then on Mondays, they would do TV tapings in Brantford, Ontario.
1: Okay.
3: And they would rent these, uh, they called them minibuses or the maxi vans or whatever. And we would shuttle the talent to and from Brantford for the TV tapings. And then one day, Pat Patterson, who, who, real good guy, got to know him. He says to Jack one day, he says, hey, Jack, you know, we got the kid here. He's, you know, he's, he takes the boys and brings the boys. We wait for him. and stuff. Why don't we use him during the show? We'll make him a referee. And Jack says, well, should we smarten the kid up? and pat says to him it's a viable yeah, question and pat says to him but jack he's in the locker room with the boys he's hanging out you know what i mean he said, i think he has an idea what's going on we just you know work with did him you at him. that
1: point well i
3: had an idea of but I, you know obviously you know some you, you always think you know what you
1: you, you know right. you're getting into but uh, you know i do you remember when it when it switched for you because obviously you were a fan before mm-hmm. being allowed into those locker rooms. And, right. and, and do you remember when it switched, when you were like, oh, he's he's talking to so-and-so? Like, when was the curtain pulled back for you?
3: It was during those shows that I was backstage, allowed to hang out backstage with the talent, hearing guys go over their match, hey, look, we need to get this in, or, or here's what what we're doing for a finish, and that sort of stuff. And just just being a sponge, I didn't want to interrupt anything. And uh, also, you know, like I said, driving guys to Brantford for those, it's an hour and a half drive, an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, 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 I would listen to the guys talk in the van. Right. I just kept quiet and listened and yeah. hearing all these stories and all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of getting an idea of what the business was about. The one thing I didn't do was go to the other refs. And, and because when Pat said that, He said to me, you know, get black sneakers, black pants, a blue shirt and a black bow tie and carry it with you at all times. I didn't think enough to go talk to the other refs and say, hey, look, Pat wants me to become a referee. Uh, What do I need to know? Help me out here. You know, that sort of stuff. So one day we're at a at a now they call them live events, Mm -hmm. uh, a house show in Newmarket, Ontario. And Chief J Strongbow was the, the head agent that day. And he says, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy Jam, as he used to have nicknames for everybody, Jimmy Jam. You got your ref gear with you? I said, yeah, chief. Of course I do. He says, well, put it on. You're reffing tonight. You're doing SD Jones versus uh, Red Demon, who back then was Jose oh, Luis Rivera. Yeah. And SD and I were good friends. You know, he's one of the first guys that I became good friends with. And I was like, thank goodness it's SD. So I went up to SD and I said, SD, I got some good news and some bad news. He says, well, yeah, what's the good news? He says, I'm reffing your match tonight. He says, what's the bad news? I said, I'm reffing your match tonight. I've never roughed a match before. <laughs> he says, Don't worry. Stay with me, stick with me. I'll talk you through it, which you pretty much did. And then from there, that's when I clued in and said, okay, watch the other guys and ask questions with the other wrestlers.
1: Who were the, who were the other refs at Maple Leafs when you were there? Was, um, was John Bonello?
3: Yep. Yeah. Wayne. Uh, and of course, you know, they'd bring in a Dave Hebner. Right. And and, and uh, who else? Well, Danny Davis back in the day as yep. well. Uh, Timmy White, because Timmy traveled with Andre yeah yeah and yeah. stuff like that and I, I would ask if you have time, please watch my match and please tell me what I'm doing wrong or what I could improve on and, and did they like uh yeah for the most part they did you know yeah. and it, everybody has kind of like a little nuance different style. The one thing that was instilled in me in the beginning and I was guilty of doing a lot of early was they said keep your counts consistent right so that people don't, see you count a little slower for the finish or a little faster for the finish or anything like that if you keep it consistent that way it looks more professional too
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah well the last the last thing you want especially if it involves any kind of a a bunk kind of finish the only time that i tell you know guys all the time the only time that you should be counting slow like this is if you're coming back after being bumped
3: Exactamundo.
1: You know, (laughs) because you got to sell. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, there's a huge difference between not just the business from when you were still working for the WWE to today, but referee and the referees. Do you think that the referees now? Um, I mean, it goes without saying, they're a lot more athletic. They're a lot more, you know what I mean, with what they're doing. Uh, they're certainly younger mm-hmm. um, that they're, you know, getting out there in the business. Do you think? And, and also, they don't even have real names anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, did you ever sit down and think to yourself when you were, you know, breaking into the business that, maybe you should have a gimmick name like the workers or was that ever even a thing because for the longest up until recently referees have always had just their real names
3: it wasn't it wasn't an issue with me and at the time i didn't think that i needed a you know a gimmick name so to speak so that people don't know who i am because right from the beginning the first thing one of the first things that i was taught especially by uh, david hebner who was uh, the late great david hebner was awesome it treated treated me so well and i was so grateful for him is that you have to remember that the referee is like the extra in a tv show movies or whatever uh you you're seen and noticed when you need to be but you're there your main purpose is to help the talent tell their story without being a distraction or part of that story unless there's a spot that involves you you know what i mean little things Mm -hmm. like that but you are not part of the story they are the story you're there to help them tell that story. But you know, you're
1: lying when you say that that's still the case.
3: Uh, It's, I don't believe that's the case in a lot of cases nowadays. I I see a lot of referees uh, overdoing things and doing, uh, doing stuff in the ring to get noticed. Uh And, and sitting back sometimes and and watching it, it just, uh, my wife could tell you too, if she's in the room while it's going on, (laughs) it's like, going oh you got to be kidding me why are you selling your chin he got punched in the face it's okay for a referee to visually sell big moves and stuff like that but it's it's do it in a subtle way that looks like like if somebody gets punched in the face really hard it looks like somebody throws a, a a mean one you don't go ooh and grab your own chin and act like you got punched i mean it's okay to just subtly go ooh. You know, that look, that, that that connected, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, it, it, I, I hate pointing fingers, but it looks like sometimes, uh, nice guy, Bryce Ramsberg over yeah. in AEW. Good dude. I've met him. Nice guy, but he just oversells everything sometimes and is more of a distraction at times.
1: But there's, al- there's always that. There's also, I mean, the same thing can be said uh, for wrestlers. Because you have wrestlers that are like that too, as as I call, you know, the the floppy fish syndrome, where every right. time they take a bump, they, you know, they flop around all over the place. Infamously, apparently, one of your only tag matches was um, you know, with Alex Vega, who's now Tarek. And I call <laughs> I used to call him that all the time. <laughs> but they're they're guilty of that kind of that same kind of over everything as opposed mm-hmm. to one thing because you know as well as i do we all love the spot with kevin you know um with kevin nash doing the fucking you know the the teetering spot with him and sean and blowing the air or the <laughs> oversell of the rock doing three back somersaults off of a stunner like we all appreciate that right, right. but not everything right right it just it it can't be so do you think do you think that that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons that maybe they're not using real names for referees? Are they uh, trying to make them more of the show?
3: I don't know if it's trying to make them more of the show or if it's from a business standpoint because if you start using real names as opposed to work names, now you got to start uh, um, you know they own the rights to uh, uh, let, let's, yeah. to to the uh, gimmick name so to speak right. So yeah, speak. yeah, yeah, yeah because they, they can't own the rights to jimmy corderas because that's me
1: right i right. mean i
3: could i have to sign a paper that says you know that they can use my likeness but at the same time it's me
1: so have it, they come to you yet for the uh oh, the no. throwback referee um dolly or as you know the no. action figure or what are they called collectible figurines or whatever it is <laughs> no no
3: not yet but- not yet if they do, I, think, I would love. I would love one, one like when I first started, when I had the uh, as as Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, used to call it <laughs> the frullet. <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> do you, may, maybe that's another reason why they're using you know assumed names now because marketing with the stuff that they can do further. Who knows? Exactly. Who knows? I, I think I think it's
3: more a business thing than anything else. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. It's crazy. I want to ask you a couple of things. Well, first one I want to go back about because everybody knows the story about how you were integral. I mean, you know, yes, you were the connecting piece when the radicals decided to make their move over from WCW. Right. And uh, and I say that because I was around at that time. I was you know i was traveling with jeff merrick when we would Mm -hmm. go down to buffalo to hang out with the boys right with Mm -hmm. one of their last wcw um appearances down there we i sat at a bar with them had those conversations but you had the phone conversation from jeff right saying hey what's up
3: yeah it it was i I remember it very well it was a sunday morning and jeff calls and and we you know having a nice little conversation he said by the way can i ask you something yeah sure he says Uh, there are four guys that might be interested in changing locations. Uh, Do you think there would be any interest up north with with these guys? And we knew the rumors going around back then and I knew exactly who he was talking about, the radicals, Mm -hmm. the four guys. And he says, do you think there'd be interest there? And I said, I would assume so, but uh, let me make a phone call and call you back. And I ended up calling uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And I said, Michael, I just got a call from a good friend of mine who knows, uh, you know, Eddie, Chris, uh, Perry, and um, Dean. Dean very well. Uh, and they're wondering if there'd be any interest if if WWF at the time would like to, you know, be interested in signing these guys because they're not happy where they are. He goes, oh, really? Just who is your friend? And I explained to him, I said, okay, give me, I don't remember if I gave him Jeff's number or, or uh, I gave Jeff his number, but they, you know. Yeah. I got them in contact with each other. Next thing you know, guess who shows up? On, <laughs> on
1: well, you Titan had to program. know. I mean, it was it was a no brainer. It right. was a no brainer to have those guys. Here's here's my biggest thing though, because we're talking what this is now, 2023 two thousand twenty four, end of the year time. You know, you're you're talking twenty three years ago, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons, one of the reasons for them to leave then, you know, as was quote unquote um backstage culture Hmm. so we still hear about this kind of stuff today you know apparently rumor has it that in AEW there's a lot of dissension in the ranks and you know with people leaving and 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 not being happy and then that term comes up again backstage culture you don't. You hear about it in WWE when after the fact. You know what I mean, or like right. very, very rarely. But it's usually after the fact. It's like, oh, why are you gone from there? Oh, I didn't like the backstage culture. Right. At what point? At what point though? Do like, do we all have to just realize that it's, it's a different kind of business than anything else, or is there? is any of this stuff acceptable that it's been going on for so many years? Uh,
3: I don't know if acceptable is the right term to use, but it has been going on for so long. And uh, it's almost like an expected uh, that issues will happen backstage because, you know, these personalities clash. But the biggest thing I think the difference between today and back in the day was back in the day, if, Let's say, for example, you and I had an issue backstage. Uh, but if we were to get in the ring together, we could make some money, right we would we we would sit down and say, look, I might not like you. You may not like me, but let's put that aside and business is business. Let's make some money together, then we could just go our own ways. We don't have to go out afterwards and have a beer and dinner and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know what I mean, Guys would at least be able to, except for Sean and Brett, but anyways, um, but you know what I mean? The Guys would put business first and then personal differences. They could set aside for a little while. At least sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't, but at least that was the culture back then. Nowadays, it's like the news gets out there. All this stuff leaks out on. And yes. it's almost like the guys need to save face in front of the fans, as opposed to saying, Hey, look, this is what's out there about you and I. Let's use this to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Let's make people think, you know, because everybody has that suspension of disbelief when it comes to our business and say, you know, you you watch it and you hope that it, you pretend that the angles are real and all that sort of thing. But if there is like they're doing in WWE, I'll give you an example right now, between Punk and Seth Rollins, you know, it has been, you know, I don't want to say documented, but everybody knows there was an issue with those two. But those two also look like they can put their differences aside and say, hey, you know what? This is a time in the wrestling business where business is picking up. We could really make some money on this, especially considering that a lot of people know that there's an issue between you and I. So let's. It's the smartest you know. route that they can do. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. We, with the
1: two of those guys. And when you have those kinds of instances, I think that is the best thing. You're not it's not like the old days where you've got a, you know, an Angelo Poffo being chased down the street by Bill Dundee, who's just pulled the gun out of the trunk of his car. You know what I mean? Because that kind of issue you you've got the ability now, but I think that, I think that we as a society has also changed. I don't think Mm -hmm. that you have the same kind of human being inside of the locker rooms nowadays that you did when you know, I, I, for myself when I was active and even before that, the, the, the generation before, you know, was way different than the generation when I was right. No,
3: I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And the difference too, back then was there was a separation between the locker room and the office correct because you didn't have active talent as part of the office back in the day. Eh? You know, you didn't have the executive vice presidents in your locker room being part of storylines and, and, and that sort of thing back in my time in wwe you know we had locker room leaders you you know i mean obviously as as a lot of people know the undertaker on the smackdown brand was our locker room leader he was but he didn't he didn't designate himself the locker room leader the locker room pretty much appointed him our leader he was the guy that people went to when they had an issue but if you had an issue with the office then you went to the office it was completely separate
1: Did you ever have to deal with wrestler court? Uh, No,
3: not as, not, not as a, as a, as an accused. <laughs> but uh,
1: were you ever were you ever the defendant? Is what you're saying? No, no, okay. I was never a defendant wrestler court. <laughs> you never I had used... to you never had yeah. to buy cases of beers uh, for the boys and walk for the next five miles on the on the road trips.
3: <laughs> no, thankfully not. But at the same time, the wrestlers' court was there more to have fun and just break right. up the you know the monotony, yes. and that's why they usually happened when they were on like overseas trips when we had time to do them.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and I think that. You know, it's it's also a really good way to diffuse the situation because if there is something real brewing between a couple of guys, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like you can have like, it's not like you can have shower meetings all the time. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, you just you just can't do that and be successful in the business. So you've got to figure it out. So if you've got somebody like Taker or somebody in charge of the locker room who can sit down and be like, all right, we're going to court, right? Yeah. You know, yeah.
3: Yeah, and he he's and at not the end the of the one, day, the
1: boys get beer. That's yeah. It's it's <laughs> again. It
3: was more to have a little bit of fun to break up the monotony of a hard travel schedule. Because as you know, back in the day, those travel schedules. You know, we used to joke three hundred days a year you're on the road. That was no joke. And especially add in a two week overseas trip to to the other schedule that you did when you were you know yeah. uh, on this side of the pond, North yeah. American, where you were. Uh, doing four or five shows a week every week, man. And were you doing Ring Crew? Yes, for a long time I was doing Ring Crew. So, you're so for me, I'll give you the the schedule when the brand split came. When Raw, I was a SmackDown guy, and SmackDown back in the day would have a house show on Saturday, Sunday, and usually on Mondays, uh, even though Raw would still have their TV show. We usually do a Monday uh, house show and then do our TV, tape it on a Tuesday night. But I would have to fly out on Friday, the day before to make sure that I was there so I could be there early enough to help set up the ring at the house show. So I would leave on a Friday. Then we do show Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, fly home Wednesday, get home, hopefully as early as possible and then leave on Friday again. Unreal, huh? Yeah. The
1: stress that that puts on on a, any kind of home life, right. you know what I mean? Because if it wasn't, if it wasn't for having a family back home to go to, what would you go home to? Absolutely.
3: And, you know, and, and, you know, I was blessed because, uh, when it comes to, to uh, you know, I put her over all the time. My wife, Audra, oh, you know, I, man, I kicked my coverage there. That's for sure. Listen,
1: you, I don't know what kind of deal you made with the devil, <laughs> But um, your soul is gone, and Mm. and that's why. And well-deserving. You know what I mean? Good for you, my brother. Um, Let's talk now, because all of the matches that you've been in, all of the stuff Mm. that you've done, I want to get your impression on, because we're talking about the culture, we're talking about the boys working things out on their own, right? So let's talk about, Public Enemy and the Ooh. APA. Ooh, yes. All right. Because that was a match that went down in infamy. It was probably what was that was that Public Enemy's last TV match? Because they were still yes. around for a couple of minutes, you know, a very brief couple of minutes afterwards, right? But very brief. But tell us the story of the match because I want to hear from your point of view, because you were probably were you already in the ring finding out about this?
3: I I was our, obviously the first one that goes out of the ring is the referee you're sent to the ring early right. so I was referee for this match mm-hmm. and I was told this is what the finish is going to be and the APA was going to put public enemy through a table
1: sounds simple enough to me
3: so, yes yeah but I'm in the ring and what I don't know is right before public enemy who made their entrance first come out okay. to the ring as they as their music hits, they apparently turn to John and Ron, APA, and say, uh, oh, by the way, we're not doing the finish, we're not going through the table, and walk. It's a pretty big that's a pretty big, a pretty big re-
1: fucking by the way, Jimmy. And, y-
3: yeah. A- <laughs> and, and then apparently, as as John tells the story, I love listening to it from, from JBL, who's also a good golf buddy and friend of mine. He he just says, Huh? And then Ross, what'd he say? It, it, they said, and he says, they said they're not doing the they're not doing the table spot. They're not they're not going to do the finish. Oh, they're not. And that's all that Ron said. <laughs> so when their
1: music hits and they're coming to the ring, I'm looking at them and I'm going, boy, these guys look intense. So Public Enemies already in the ring. They didn't yep. say anything to you about hey, the finish has changed. They're just like going on with business. No, I know. Had, okay, they knew they knew they were out. They
3: uh, I guess it. I guess because all of a sudden. It's on, and they're just beating the living crap out of yeah. these guys. And it was a squash. Know, yeah, it was a yeah. squash.
1: There was no uh, there was no offense by Public it, Enemy at all.
3: It, and it, no, and it got to the point where it, you know, because as referees, we wore our uh, IFBs, our earpieces. Mm-hmm. And Gerald Briscoe was the one who talked talked to us back in the day, uh, and he just looked uh, a couple of minutes. I don't know how long the beatdown was going down. I was just shocked, going, "What the heck am I watching here? This isn't anything like i was, heard them talk about." You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I hear uh, Gerald say, uh, Jimmy, you may want to ring the bell and end this thing anytime soon. So I, was, I, so I just rang the bell throughout the match, basically, is what happened. Sure. But uh, the beatdown continued. And uh, by the way, they ended up doing
1: the table. Yeah, They had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. And when you get backstage, you know, you they knew they were wrong in mm-hmm. making that decision. So I'm guessing, like, they, you know, the smart thing to do is to not continue fighting backstage. You realize that you fucked up. Uh, mm-hmm. You shake their hands, obviously being the seniors that they were, and mm-hmm. you know you carry on because I can imagine. I can imagine that backstage at this point, right, that it was you know must see TV on the monitors going, oh shit, and now mm-hmm. a crowd has formed waiting for these four guys to get backstage to see what are we going to have to separate these guys or mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Right.
3: exactly. And how long do we wait before we separate them? But, uh, you know, like Ron and John were the first ones ma- that went to the back, you know, as the, you know, public en- enemy guys were selling. And when they came back, everybody was waiting for it. They came back, shook their hands, thanked them for the match, walked away. And for me, at least, that was the last time I saw. Them.
1: Had you ever had to deal with it where they didn't shake the hands? Uh, I don't recall it ever happening. I'm trying to think, but, uh, because that seems to be the difference nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Really? Is, you know, we talk about the incidents that have happened over in AEW,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: guys with with uh, Jack Perry, I think it was, mm-hmm. right? You know, coming backstage where it was, it was a situation where he should have, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, just based on tenure alone, you keep your mouth shut. It's right. like driving the car is the green guy. Keep your mouth right. shut, keep your ears open, learn. Eventually right. your time is going to come. Cop, stop thinking, stop thinking that today is your time, if if it's clearly not. Mm. Is that something that you see more and more in wrestling today? Is, uh-huh. is because we, we live in a world now where they don't let, you know, and I want to get into this. This is kind of my segue off of this one. Is they don't let enough stuff breathe and 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 build. And do mm-hmm. you think, do you think it's because we live in this TikTok world now? We live in this 30-second Vine video world. And the office even sees this. So they're trying to book characters and stories skewed to that audience now.
3: Uh, uh, you know what? I think you you pretty much nailed it right there. Everybody's looking for that. Uh oh wow spot right. but they're trying to get too many of them in at the same time where that it's like anything else you see something too often it's like yeah that was cool now yeah that was cool you're seeing so many as i call them nowadays twisting burning 450 hammer phoenix splashes <laughs> you know the first time you see it you go oh my goodness what was that and nobody sells anything anymore right i mean like just the other night i was watching a match where we um I forgot who it was. It was, again, uh, I'm not going to pick on names anyways. Someone took two devastating pile drivers in the same match. And that you know, the pile driver used to be a finishing move. And I get, and th- this is a line that I've I've, I've thought of a lot. I, I get that the wrestling business evolves as far as, you know, how you tell stories, but it, it is about telling stories. It's like the, the wheel. When it was invented, it was made of stone. And then it was a wood wheel because wood was lighter. But still, at times you had to. Fix it. Then it was rubber, vulcanized rubber, run flat tires. But at the end of the day, the wheel is round. And that's what the wrestling business should be like. You can mesh old school with new school. But it, it, but I think, like you said, what's missing is the storytelling aspect of, of the business. Yes, you can have, uh, you know, the interspersed spot fest match, whatever you want to call it, because there is an audience for it. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I hate, the, yeah, I know people are going to hate this, that, that I say this, but wrestling shows, especially on television nowadays, need to be like a variety show. You have your segment that makes people laugh, a comedy segment. You have your match that people, you know, diehard wrestling fans go, wow, that was a hell of a wrestling match. You have characters that people get invested in. You want the audience drawn in for whatever, for uh, people draw in audiences more than a spot will. Let's right and
1: i way. think i think in the world of as a wrestler isn't the ultimate goal to get paid more to do less isn't that the ultimate goal right uh, that's what you that's what you kind of strive for um mm-hmm. listen and 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 some people are going to say that we just sound like a couple of old guys standing get in, in off my yard, lawn yeah shaking <laughs> our fists at clouds you know what i mean but listen i thought grand torino was a damn fine movie and i'll uh you know take that line Mm -hmm. any day um but i i get that wrestling has wrestling has to evolve right the 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 storytelling has to become more intricate the you know but the basis is still the same it's still good versus evil it's still conflict everything at its base core is still the same you can say all of that stuff over the years, and that's why you know move sets, as I throw up air quotes because I mm. fucking hate that term. Um, mm. You know, have have evolved and become more intricate. You can say all of that stuff, but the one thing that hasn't changed over all of this time, Jimmy, is human anatomy, and the human body is not meant to take some of this stuff. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. still be able to not sell it at least, right? Right. Because if you look at, if you even look at some of the best storytellers out there right now, putting matches together and I'll talk, you know, listen, I think that speedball Mike Bailey is one of the absolute top notch dogs out there right now, telling great stories, not doing a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? He's not doing a lot of stuff that puts his, his body and his partner's body into a, any kind of jeopardized um, spot. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, no, I agree. But but then you've got, but then you've guys, you've got guys out there that are like, I need to go and get a light tube put in my mouth. And, you know, mafia kicked in the side of the head 13 times. And that's the opening spot before the bell even happens. Yeah. It- I get that there's different likes for all of this stuff. I get that there's different um, passions for different air quotes again, um, types of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that, I think that a lot of that has to do with guys like public enemy, if I'm being quite honest about it. Um, And I say that with respect to them, but if you think about it, The world of professional wrestling, in my opinion, and just my stupid know-nothing opinion, um, was full of guys that looked like superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. It was full of guys that looked like they belonged on a poster or they were a very extreme character. Then we got to a point in the business where it looked like it could be your neighbor. You know, the Ron Jeremy years Mm -hmm. of professional wrestling where it was like, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? And that was that kind of mentality. Now, now we're kind of getting back into the part where it's like, you got to have a body on you. It's an upper body business. You got to at least look like a professional wrestler, but there was a period of time there. There was a period of time there between like, you know, what, 2000, 2005 we'll say, you know, even 2000, Mm -hmm. right. Those ECW years, right when when right. and those those backyard wrestling years, right, when they were very very much like showed it that the wrestling business could open up, you know everybody
3: could be a part of it um no, I see exactly what you're saying and and ah uh, i i I'm trying to i I don't disagree with what you're saying, but at the same time, that's how it felt like when I watched it back in the day when I was younger, you saw all the matches with talent that you used to call them job guys back in the day, enhancement talent and stuff like that, that looked like your neighbor. Right. And, and, and the, the, but again, now this has become a different business in the sense that it's become a TV business where that's where the money is being made. Now, yes, they're still touring and doing live events and trying and drawing some money that way. But TV is where the big money is in wrestling. And in order for that perception is reality. And they have to look like superstars. They have to look like someone who can kick ass. They have to look like not, not your neighbor. You And they also have to have a personality, a character to get invested in. Not only do they can can someone who can go in the ring uh, be someone that people say, hey, yeah, you know what? He's great in the ring. But what else can he do? No, you have to be able to uh, talk a little bit or at least develop a character that people get invested in and go, hmm. Not only do I want to see him in the ring, I want to see him, or I want to see her, or I want to see them, whatever the case may be. It It is a visual business. And like I said, TV is where it is right now.
1: So let me ask you this, watching and living through it, like being in the business as long as you have, still watching the business, what it is now, what do you think, like, the next evolution of the business is. Where do you think we're headed in the business?
3: I think it's it's one of those deals where they're reverting back to um, character-based personalities to draw. You look at uh, certain individuals, again, I'm gonna go back to WWE and I know people are gonna say, oh, it's because he's an old WWE guy. No, you you look at some of the talent that they got on top there. You look at the Roman Reigns, they have developed him. Everybody says, "Well, he's hardly ever on TV." Exactly because he's supposed he's special, and when he does appear on TV, he feels special. They've got Cody Rhodes, who's over huge. Seth Rollins, CM Punk is back. They've got superstars who are over. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at AEW; they've got some superstars there that are over as well. MJF, I think, is is awesome. You know, uh, Chris Jericho still doing it to. A big degree in helping getting others over Mm -hmm. which is you know awesome as well and that's what this business is based on it's going back to creating characters regardless of size whereas you know back back in the Hogan days you had to be you know six foot eight and full of muscles now you have to have a certain look it doesn't have to be that big but you have to have a certain
1: look but you have to look like you could take care of yourself it's, it's, they're looking for that athletic look. Yes. You know what I mean? You have to absolutely look like you have some sense of athleticism to you, or if you don't look like it, prove that you can do it. Right. You know, there's that aspect too. But I think that the days, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think that the days, and I hope that I'm wrong. I think that the days of, of, of characters you know, like like our good friend Anthony Corelli, like Santino Morello, I think that the characters like that, I don't know. Do you think they're gone? Like uh we don't even you don't even see any kind of development for that kind, you know what I mean? Of uh mm. because I I had this conversation with Anthony and I, I said to him, you know, it reminds you the character always reminded me of what it was that I fell in love with with professional wrestling. Mm which was that character that was like, ah, this is, this is kooky. This is crazy, but God damn it. I love it. You know what I mean? And that's what made you fall in love with professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't think that we're seeing, I think that it's more geared towards the building different layers uh, onto your existing personality. Now it seems like. No, no,
3: no. I, I get what you're saying, I, but but at the same time, there's always that one endearing quality that stands out. And like you said, you do you pick Santino as, as an example. You know, he had that one endearing quality that's like, I think a lot of times now, especially in today's day and age, where everybody gets so offended by everything, you know, you don't want to stereotype people as well. Right. And and, and people, you know, you, you take a guy like a Shinsuke Nakamura right now. You know, some people see it for me i'm liking this whole new persona that you know bad persona that he has where he's doing his promos in japanese and you have the subtitles uh and people are probably saying well you know that's very stereotypical and the the mist and all that sort of stuff but that's again old school coming back again and bringing it to today's era and for me it's working others may not think so but
1: but but jimmy how many fucking italians do you know played indians no, in professional wrestling, Not you know what I mean. A, a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, playing playing the character part. I mean, you you that was what made wrestling what it was. What everybody yeah. went to it, right? So, I don't think you're going to get that kind of character ever, no. ever no. again. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's it's a shame because listen, I would love to see another, you know, Chief J Strongbow or. Right another you know Wahoo McDaniel, McDaniel or yeah. you know even even Chris even tatanka like who mm-hmm. uh, would all do the I mean at least Chris is indigenous right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean but I hear you. but I don't think that you're gonna it, it, it's it's I think that the direction that they're going is they're just building layers off of you know trying to get everybody mm-hmm. to pull out what they are inside. Maybe they are really an asshole in real life, and it helps them right. become a heel a lot easier.
3: But right. if they could, if they could accentuate that, uh, I'm not over, over exaggerating it. You know what I mean by uh, over, overplaying the role. Make right. it feel real. Right. That's that seems to be what what people yeah. want to see now. Something that feels real, and like we talked about the CM Punk and Seth Rollins thing, it yeah. felt real. Yes, because yes. they're.
1: The most talked about thing in, in the world of professional wrestling inside or outside, even it's, it's made its way over into regular, Mm -hmm. regular news, you know, exactly. Jimmy, we're wrapping up here and I want to thank you so much uh, for taking all of this time to spend with us. I want to ask you point blank in your Mm -hmm. opinion, who's the best referee on TV right now?
3: Oh, wow. The best referee on TV right now. (sighs) My goodness, that's a tough question. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, I'd love to pick my friend Charles mm-hmm. Robinson, who's still great. But uh, if I had to pick uh, who's the best referee on TV right now, there's a young man in WWE by the name of Jason Ayers. He's in there. He's in contention. I can't say he's the best, but he's one of the best out there. Right so now. you're
1: saying that our good friend Hornet sucks. Is that what you're telling no. us right now, no. Jimmy? <clears throat> I no, Hornet. Clip it. Clip, no. it. Clip no. it. We're Horn- putting it out there in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no hornet's doing a hell of a job uh,
3: it's actually uh, you know it, it's it's amazing seeing him you know all those years here yeah get, actually working with him in the ring and now seeing him on nxt doing
1: the refereeing deal and i'm going man he gets it 100 percent. and this is a conversation and i used you in this conversation that i had with him years ago when he was he was struggling he was struggling. We would have these conversations because he wanted. He had already gone down. He had had a couple of tryouts, and he's good. He knows his stuff in the ring, knows how to wrestle. He had already been to Mexico. He had already been, you know, he had already been traveled enough. He was down there, and they all told him the same thing: "You just, you're not the right size. You're not the right size for what we're looking for. You know everything there. You're not the right size." Right. He was like, "What do I do?" You know, when we're all telling him the same same stuff, it's like you know what you're doing in there. Mm -hmm. go be a referee that's not a knock i go you could be the kind of referee that they need and i said to him straight up and i said besides you could go down there and they could be like you know what we're finally going to give this kid a shot and we're going to put him on a contract and we're going to keep him here for a year and we're going to blow him out in a year and then he's done and he's back on the indies and he's doing what right because there was no aews you know going on back then right right or i said to him i said or you can go down that hill slowly and you can have yourself a -hmm. 22 plus career year career like jimmy corderas did that's what you're looking for you're not looking for you know jimmy's one of the smartest guys i know inside of the business because he knew that he could be inside of that ring with every single performer on any given night whereas the performers can only be in there with somebody once in a night you know what i mean yeah I,
3: it, it trust me I, I was blessed to be able to to do what i did for so long and learn from some great people so it's it, it, yeah, man i don't i don't know how much more i could put it over and good for good for hornet for doing what he's doing man and he is doing a heck of a job at it he's and doing continued
1: success to him absolutely absolutely and speaking of success is there a new book coming out soon
3: uh not quite yet but yeah uh, there's some uh, what's next I, I have to uh work on something with the the missus here because uh the misses is kind of my inspiration for everything she was the inspiration for the first book okay. if it wasn't for her it never would have got <clears throat> out there that's for sure so she she is my she is my rock. So you so
1: you decided the best thing to do in the situation was create something heavy that she could throw at you? Uh well, that's why it's not so thick. <laughs> <clears throat> but and that's she, what our wives will say about us too, Jimmy. That's why they're not yeah. so thick.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's not in hardcover, so she can't hurt me if she wants to hit me with it. Anyway. <laughs> well, but, you uh, know, yeah, is she it a an inspiration? Book?
1: Are you gonna do a cooking
3: hey, book? Hey. Listen. There's some. Let me hold on. Let me write that down, <laughs> and then tell some road road food stories. Who knows?
1: I'm telling you, I think that that's the that's the video show. I think that's the TV show, right? Mm. That you sell it, telling telling stories, um, and 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 cooking food and making dishes.
3: Yeah, it was a great colleague in the car, Jimmy. We go to Denny's. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that had to be tough. You ever have to pick mm-hmm. up the bill?
3: Uh, for him yeah uh no
1: that, <laughs>
3: that was the fortunate part
1: on the road on the road there's always the guy there's always the guy that you know you sit there and you're like i can't believe they put away that amount of food
3: right who oh who
1: was it well of course
3: Tony Chimmel. who else <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> uh,
1: poor Chimel uh, <laughs> yeah I had, to, I had to
3: i had to mention him somewhere here and it's there a perfect spot
1: Yep, absolutely. Right as we get out of here. Thank you very yeah. much, Mr. Chimmel. Uh, yes. No, Jimmy, it's always a pleasure. Um, you are you are one of my favorite human beings in all of the world, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I hope you had a great time. Let's do this all uh, again very near future. Uh, and for those absolutely. of you out there that want to get a hold of Jimmy for any reason whatsoever, where can they get a hold of you?
3: Oh, they could reach out to me on all my social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, I'm on Twitter. You know, I do my reference rants, my daily reference rants on my, and put them out there on my social media pages where I make little critiques. They're a minute long video and people think, oh, you're tearing down. No, it's not to tear down. It's to, as I like to say, tighten screws that I think could be tightened, but also have a little bit of fun with it, you know, and that sort of thing. And you can reach out to me there and who knows? uh, maybe i will reach back (laughs) and also i do (laughs) i do a little podcast with my good brother in stripes uh brian hepner called reffing it up and rj uh is the guy who holds the glue together so thanks rj for keeping that together and we have a lot of fun talking there so
1: that's amazing if you do get a chance to check that out please everybody go check that out
3: oh oh, oh, sorry i forgot and one more thing uh wrestling inc I do a post show for Wrestling Inc. on Monday nights after Raw and Wednesday nights after Dynamite where we uh, give our opinions on what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like and just have a nice little chat.
1: So you're more busy now than you were before.
3: But at least I, I, I don't have to travel. like
1: Right? Don't have to travel. We don't even know if you're wearing pants right now.
3: Hey, hey, brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, we will talk to you very soon. Uh, everybody sit right there we'll be right back after these quick messages from our sponsors and wrap this whole thing up this is the law live audio wrestling we'll be right back
0: Market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com, bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers and public insiders. For more information visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com.
3: Podstars offers aspiring podcast superstars the chance to interview and interact with everyone on our site. We offer the opportunity for podcasters to interview celebrities and also hardworking, educated, and successful
0: professionals from various industries around the globe. Having better guests is the key to a successful podcast. This straightforward approach can lead to exponential growth in your podcast downloads with just one impactful interview. As your downloads increase, so do your opportunities for revenue. At Podstars,
3: we aim to simplify and enhance the podcast interview process, making it an enjoyable experience for all parties involved. So visit podstars.net for all your interview needs.
2: you're back you're on the law live audio wrestling and i i got i, I can't say anything man i can't say anything <laughs> you
1: did it again jimmy is a wealth of knowledge that you got to get it out of him before you know it's it's too late to get all of that stuff out of him he's got a ton of stories to tell and we're, we'll be doing more of those i think that was just a little teaser you know uh, of what kind of stories that we will be telling to one another in the in in the new year
2: well we are closing out the year we've got uh we've only got a few more events uh going on here at the end of the year to talk about but one of the things that i do want to talk about is our long-standing contest here on the law the t-shirt sweater combo for the listeners to name themselves we have a winner
1: a winner
2: after four weeks We will be calling our listeners from now on the lawful or unlawful listeners. The lawful listeners, our lawful following. The winner. That
1: that name is just lawful.
2: The winner of the contest, T-shirt, sweater, is Asterios Coquinos. I'm sorry? Uh, You can see it right there. Asterios Coquinos.
1: Coquinos. Asterios, well, congratulations to you you are you are responsible now if anybody has any uh, questions concerns comments to make about the name that is, was was won by your submission we will be sending all of the hate mail to you mm-hmm. and only to you and you can deal with the people how you choose because my friend you are you know what the first winner The first winner of merchandise, brand new merchandise, new logo, new everything, same attitude, but
2: uh... (laughs) (laughs) all right, my friend, well, that's it for me this week. Uh, Do you want to plug anything before we roll this ride out?
1: Well, you know how to do it. You know where it's coming from. You can check out all of my stuff uh, personally, uh, Instagram, X, all of those things at Notorious TID. For the show, you can send us emails to thelaw.liveaudio wrestling at gmail.com. You can hit us up on X at uh, The Law Wrestling. You can send us any of your submissions. You can follow us uh, on all of your podcast providers. You can see all of my stuff over at Tid Talk on YouTube as well. And uh, outside of that, that's it.
2: All I can say is uh, thank you to our sponsors, thank you to the listeners. Happy holidays, everybody! Whatever you celebrate, I hope it is filled with joy and happiness. And literally, that is that's not me patronizing you. I I hope you guys have the best end of the year you possibly can. Chris, thank you again for letting me be your co-host. I'm excited for the new year. We've got a couple more episodes, and then uh, we are on to 2024. So. I'm stoked to get this uh, year over with and see what's coming in the future.
1: Well, you know, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to make sure that you've been a good boy all year long. Make sure that you get the presents that you want from Santa Claus and your loved ones. Make sure that you give accordingly. And always remember, tuck your chin.
0: Thank you for listening to The Law, live audio wrestling with Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. You can email any
1: questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com.